0: Welcome to Fresno Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan and with me is Roy. Hey, what's new in the baseball world this week? I'm not that innocent. baby. Oh, oh, our, our chosen chosen no. golden boy. What is he done? <laughs> he has done it again. We have we have got done again. And it's it's almost a national catastrophe. I mean, it literally. Stings. It stings all over, not only for the Padres and, and and for the fans and the organization and the team, but like you can see, it's spreading throughout um, Major League Baseball from David Ortiz to Hector Gomez. Now his dad's involved, and and yet we have yet to hear from. And I, I'm not sure if having a a press conference for, for Fernando Tatis is the right thing to do. I'm like he's just going to get grilled and grilled and grilled and grilled uh, at infinitum and i'm not sure exactly what it's going to do other than you know i i I was listening to this where did i hear um andy pettit i think i heard this morning on on ben and woods they were talking about how andy pettit did it he had a press conference had a huge you know big giant statement stucked it up and said this is what i did um and it seemed to go away
1: yeah, but I don't remember what the timing of that was, if it was in the off season or what. And it's this is just, it's a strange time of year because this is when the the Padres really need to focus on the the players on the field, the next whatever 30, 40, 50 games ahead of them, this yeah. playoff push. So, I hearing what the players in the dugout or in the clubhouse said, all the scathing remarks that they had and you know, talking at the same time saying that you know we really like this group that we have right now, we're confident in who we have. So it was almost like we don't need him this year. And I I know that that's not the forever sentiment. That's maybe right. just them trying to you know say, okay, we got this. We're we're fine without him. But it, it's it, man, it 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 hurts. So I don't know yeah. what it's gonna. Take it's gonna take time more than anything. Um, you know, people are calling for some kind of a press conference. I don't know what good that'll do. Um, but I, I certainly don't feel like having his dad speak for him <laughs> yeah. is doing much good right now with he- right. all the stuff that Hector Gomez is tweeting out.
0: And that, and I can appreciate that, you know, a dad sticking up for a son and you know Hector Gomez having the connection, obviously the Dominican Republic, you know, wanting to get that information out there. But you got guys like you know, <laughs> Jonathan Papelbon, come on, dude, come right? on! Uh, and then uh, you know, and then David Ortiz, and you know, uh, someone else from the Dominican Republic also did, said something. Did you like hear a- what A-Rod had to say? No,
1: he was saying something about, oh, I, I was, I would hope that these kids would learn from my mistakes in the past yeah. and
0: right. and this way kind of stuff. Your, way to make it about yourself,
1: right? <sighs> yeah, but, I mean, on a certain. It's it's irresponsible. And I'm yeah. I keep going back and forth on what to believe. I kind of came up with this conspiracy theory right off the bat that maybe he was trying to heal quick from whatever injury he had yeah. with the but then the more I read today and the more I see about this this spray on stuff that is supposed to be for like an, an antibiotic that's common in certain countries and it's got that substance in it, right? Maybe there, maybe that's that's a true story. Who knows? But regardless, he's Resp- he has to be responsible for the substances that he that he uses in, on, around his body. Yep. There's a list of you cannot take these substances. There's doctors that are on call 24 hours a day, pick up the phone, say, hey, I got a rash. I want to use this stuff. Am I good? And they'll look it up. Oh, yeah, you're you're good. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. That's all I, I, it took. Really. And, and, you know, we do always talk about, you know, with players, with parents that had played ball, you know, oh, the pedigree, they know what they're doing. They feel comfortable in the clubhouse. Obviously, he doesn't feel, you know, he's not that knowledgeable when, you know, with his dad. And God, yeah, what I try to, you know, the knowledge of like, hey, I should check with the organization first before I put this on my skin. Right. I should, but I, they, should I you know, my dad just happened to my dad or my dad, you know, my dad's going to say whatever, or, you know, he's going to do whatever he wants, which that's what I really feel. He just did whatever he wanted. I'm Fernando Tatis Jr. or whatever. I don't care
1: or if you want to put the tin hat back on, then you take a look at who his dad played with back in the late nineties when he was on the Cardinals um, and how all of a sudden his dad got real big and started hitting home runs all of a sudden. Um, You know? And so it's like, what kind of advice is he getting? What kind of influences does he have around him? Um, Because I'm sure that there's still a certain element of, of the league that does whatever they can to skirt around the rules. And we know that there's masking agents and there's, you know they they have an understanding of the timing of how long something takes to get out of your system. So you right. know maybe you can use during this part of the off season and then get off it right. by the end of the off season. and so then by the time you show up to camp, i I mean, even the part that there was the lockout, and people thought that camp wasn't going to start up till like, I don't know late April. and so maybe maybe somebody thinks that, oh, I've got another couple of weeks, right I. I don't right. know. Yeah, There's yeah. so many different ways you can go with this. But ultimately, Padres are without Fernando Tatis Jr. for 80 games well into May, it looks like. Yeah. One interesting little angle that I think is so Padres go to the postseason, postseason games count on the ticker. Yeah. So it's like, okay, do you want the Padres to get on like this hot run and just steamroll their way through? Or <laughs> do you want right. them to, to like take everything to like four or six games so then they burn up more of those, so then Tatis is back sooner next year? I don't know. I But the one thing I cannot understand is the people saying trade him. He's a bum. I,
0: I yeah. can't. No, you yeah. can't do that. Yeah. There's a guy at work that said that. I'm like, that's just not right. It just, no. You don't do that. You don't do that. And, uh, you know, and here's the thing real quick, guys. We, uh, we talked to Jay Jaffe from fan last night and that interview will be released all by itself. And we talked to him about it. We asked him about it and um, he had some very interesting insights. So that'll be coming up later on this week. But, um, you know, to sum it all out for me, it's not like we don't already have a 23-year-old superstar kid on the team right now. Oh, for sure. You know, (laughs)
1: yeah. so Juan Soto does stuff that you don't see anybody else do the way that he recognizes spin and his understanding of the strike zone and his ability to just, I mean, he is the purest, the best pure hitter in the game today. And he's 23, but then Tatis, so somebody said it today, he does things on the field that you will not see anybody else do his combination of power and speed and awareness, athleticism and all that stuff. You, you don't just write that off and, and right. trade him away. I, right. I, I, I the organization has to give him a chance to to make it up and you know come back with his hat in his hand and I'm sorry and I'm going to do better and give him an opportunity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But shall we move on? Let's move on. yeah, Let's- enough
1: of that. Enough of that depressing
0: stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about league baseball. Yes. Okay, so, so we have a bunch of roster moves. For, so this is from double A AA to triple A. Carlos Belin, right-handed pitcher, Jose Cazada, and Angel Philippe were promoted from San Antonio to the Chihuahuas to help fortify a Chihuahuas bullpen that will see some heavy turnover. From high, from high A to double A, the missions received right-handed Ga- Grant Gavin from the Chihuahuas, then left-hander Noel Vela and right-hander Edwin Benincumbo and now fielded Matthew Acosta were all promoted from the Tin Caps up to Double A. Vela23 earned his first trip to AA at performing well for the Tin Caps this season. Okay, so looking at those groups
1: and names. So Carlos Belen stands out to me. He's been with the Padres since I want to say like 2012, 2013. Yeah. He was a like a third baseman. He's been converted to a pitcher. He's been a pitcher for a long time. And you get something like him. I wonder if he's ever going to get a chance to pop up. Yeah, it makes me think of like Jason Lane back in the day that he was an outfielder, became a a pitcher, and he he made a he made an
0: appearance as a major leaguer, and Uh, he has not been doing too bad either, you know, in in that role, in the role of a a a reliever. Oh yeah, he's been he's been holding the job down in
1: Double A, so we'll see how he does in Triple A. And then Noel Vela, he he qualifies out of these names, he's the guy that qualifies as a prospect. He's got the kind of stuff, the kind of ability, the command, the whatever that you can squint your eyes and see how this guy could be a major leaguer in a couple of years. So some of these guys will bounce around Edwin Bencomo, Angel Felipe, Jose Cazada, these guys, they kind of bounce around wherever the organization has a need, but Noel Vela, when he moves up, chances are he's there to stay until he moves up to the next level. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. All and right. More- so the
1: next group here, we've got Brandon Dixon and Ethan Skender were both activated from the 60-day IL and added to the missions roster. Um, Ethan Skender, I mean, we've talked to him on the podcast. He he was sidelined with knee injuries for a couple of years, but it sounds like it's a shoulder, uh some shoulder issue that's held him back this year. Um, and then Reggie Lawson, uh, that was the sad news for me, yeah. was seeing that he'd voluntarily retired. Um, uh, you know, we've kind of conjectured about it. And the only thing I can figure is that some injury popped up yeah. and it's either, you know, go through surgery, rehab, whatever path that is, or hang up the cleats and and find another vocation.
0: Right. And and with uh and with Reggie, for me, like coming back from Tommy John, you you kind of expect to have an up and down year. The beginning of the season double A, it was ugly, but we didn't care. And we talked about it saying, you know, we didn't care. And it didn't matter that he was getting rocked or that he was throwing a lot of, you know, he was walking a lot of guys. As long as he was walking day. off the mound healthy. Absolutely. And then it turned it around. And for like a four-start stretch, he was on fire. And then you would figure he maybe he's kind of figured stuff out. Maybe he's just, you know, the, the natural progression of this. And then the past three starts, I think, has just been has been another struggle, which once again I was okay with. Like that's fine. Just get through the season healthy. Get some innings underneath you. And then you can work on, you know, there's something to work on. So that it just kind of goes to show that we don't know, we don't know anything. You know, we don't know mm-hmm. why. We don't know if it's an injury. Uh, we don't know if he's just like, okay, you know, I, I don't think the organization is going to say like, hey, look, you know, you're, you know, you're probably not going to make it, you know. But I don't think they would do that. But maybe he saw something, felt something, or you know, we, we don't know, right? Well, yeah, they're like you said, I, th- I want to
1: say it was like six or eight starts where he was just outstanding. Yeah. and then he fell off a, a cliff so then does that mean that he's tired does that mean that you know who knows what because fatigue kicks in at some point and these guys are all what 15 20 starts into their into their their season um so mad friars uh unfortunate timing they had just interviewed yeah. reggie lawson and were in the process of transcribing it um and it finally came out it was either yesterday or today that yeah. they they finally released that interview and it's it's bittersweet reading through it because yeah. you see the things that Reggie's saying, you see the things that uh, that the manager is saying, and it's all positive, like yeah. promising stuff. Like I'm on the path, I'm gonna get this. And then and then the the
0: the other shoe falls and he's he's done. Yeah. Well, also there might be another business opportunity out there. I, I think I saw on his uh, on his Instagram, some kind of workout stuff. So maybe he's going into fitness.
1: Yeah. That just says to me that he's pivoting to whatever the next step is. I, it, it didn't look to me like, well, you know, I've got this other opportunity. It's just like, well, I guess if I can't throw a fastball, 95 miles an hour, then I'll find something else to do.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I skipped over
1: Jack Stronach has been released as well. So Helix high alum, I believe he went to UCLA. Um, so the quarter outfielder played a little bit of third base. Uh,
0: I was a little bit disappointed by that. I was hoping for yeah. him. You know, you always want to pull for the local guys. Absolutely. Uh, moving on from a to high a, uh, the, the Garrett Hawkins friend of the podcast and left-hander, Bodie Rascon from Lake Elson Hawkins 22 has been the storm's undisputed ace in a season in which they will make the playoffs. Um, we'll talk later about his start uh, and his little taste in high, A, but really stoked to have him do that. And I'm not, I'm, Kind of surprised it took so long for that to happen. In the beginning of his beginning of this season, I think he was really relying on the fastball and, and A ball to kind of have these starts. Uh then he kind of went through some struggles and then you know seemed to pull it back together again uh to get the promotion. But it was super stoked for him. Excited to see what happens, even you know, moving up. Then we're gonna talk about this in a minute here in, in the affiliate rundown. Is once you move up, it does not guarantee automatic success. And most of the time it guarantees you uh some challenges and some work that needs to be done and development as as you move up the ranks
1: for sure yeah and so Bodie rascon moved up with him um and i think those guys already uh piggybacked once in a game uh and then moving up from the complex to single a and my computer's glitching out on me. Uh, the Storm added four pitchers to their active roster. Three of them were signed recently as undrafted free agents. Wrighty's Will Geardies, Matt Boswell, and Jared Kolar were added to the roster. Jared Kolar just made his first career start uh, yeah. yesterday for the Storm. Um, and then righty Dylan Nedved was added to the roster. Uh, Nedved, the former Iowa Hawkeye, was the Padres' ninth round pick last month. He becomes the first 2022 draft pick to be added to a full season roster. Uh, yeah, so oh. yeah, lots oh. of good movement throughout the the the, and we knew that this was coming. It's you've got the draft, you've got all these fresh, all these fresh faces coming into the organization, and then unfortunately with these trades that happened, that opened up a whole lot of space in the upper yeah. minors. So here comes the, uh, you know, as 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 Macho Man Randy Savage would say, <laughs> the cream will rise to the top. The cream.
0: Great WWE or WWF or one of those Ws reference. Uh, you know who else got up there and I saw him this last weekend. Uh, Griffin Dorshing. Yes. God, I hope I'm saying that right. I want to see him. I got to. I got to see this guy. He's he's the Luke Voight. Like he's like mini Luke Voight. Has a shocking blonde hair mohawk. A uh, big boy, not chubby. He's a big boy. You and see where I, I see the Bosworth kind of oh, kind of thing with it. Absolutely, absolutely. Is that this? I don't know. Resting mean face. He just looks like I don't want to mess with that guy. You no, know? not I, and at I all. Took a, I took a bunch of pictures and I sent them to him, and I think I put some on the Instagram page. Um, it looks like going to be, be f- a fun guy to to go crush a thirty pack of George, of Coors right. light with. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, so he made it up there tonight, and, and I caught the game on uh, was on Saturday. Yeah,
1: big righty, right-handed, right-hand throwing first baseman, which is kind of a uh, a unicorn of the of, of the unfortunate kind among minor leaguers. Uh, but when you got the kind of power that he has, you never know. You never know where it's going to take him.
0: We haven't we haven't really drafted a, a true first baseman uh, since Brad Zunick. Right, right. Back Brad Zunick.
1: He's playing. Uh, he's playing indie ball these days.
0: Last I heard, is he? Believe in yeah. Brad believe in Brad. Uh, so moving on, so here's something that I thought was really cool. I think you guys would be interested in this. Um under the pressure from the Major League Baseball Players Association, the Sports and Entertainment Agency Endeavor has sold its stake in 10 minor league teams to one of the agency's investors, the private equity firm from Sil- uh, firm Silver Lake. So the $280 million sale of Diamond Baseball Holdings to Silver Lake was announced on Tuesday. Now, Endeavor and Silver Lake stand started buying up minor league teams together last year, as first reported by the Athletic. Diamond Baseball Holdings however was technically a subsidiary of Endeavor. The Major League Baseball Players Association got involved because Endeavor's sports arm also includes a baseball agenting business. Agents per union rules cannot also own teams and the and the players union and the, and the players association warned um the WME agents that they were at risk of losing certification unless the situation was addressed. All major league player agents are certified by the Major League Players Association setting up a potential pick-your-poison scenario for Endeavor. Keep the teams that potentially lose the agents or vice versa. And Endeavor sources said Tuesday that it was Endeavor's understanding that the Major League Baseball Players Association uh, was now resolved. Asked if it was accurate. The Players Association said it could not confirm.
1: So I find it so... Endeavor sold its stake to one of the agency's investors, the private equity film firm silverlake so this to me it kind of sounds like you're just kind of moving stacks of money around, mm-hmm. and so now it's just under a different umbrella that 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 pile doesn't happen to touch the pile right with the Ish. with the agents involved but it's still it's a private equity firm it's 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 an investment firm it's yeah, I I miss the old days where and maybe this is me being naive, where you have an individual that owns an organization and it's a fun thing. You like because right. back in the day, like way back in the day, a lot of the minor league teams were like the mining company's baseball team. Right, right, and right. It, or the
0: at, factory, at, right? The mill. Everyone works at the factory. Right. Yeah.
1: At the the beer factory. That's right. how they became the the mill, the brewers, right? Uh, and and it's probably like overly simplified, idealistic, uh, but the idea of somebody owning a baseball team because it's fun and yeah, they might make a little bit of money doing it, but it's a cool thing and it's fun. So I want to picture my, mind like Brewster's millions, like, right. and hopefully, I mean, that's what we, what we pretend that Peter Seidler is. We know that he's not, he's a businessman. Right. Everybody that owns a baseball organization is in it for the money. I mean, maybe they like the idea of owning a baseball team, but yeah. they want to turn a profit. They want to turn as much profit as they can. And every time I get reminded of that, it's just
0: makes kind of me... it does. It it's you remind you once again that it's a business. 280 yeah. million dollars for these 10 teams is a lot of money. And these are I would think there's some there's some kind of uh some winners here. The Iowa Cubs, that's triple A affiliate. Uh the Memphis Redbirds, that's another triple A affiliate. Scranton Wilkes Bear, that's you know, another triple those are those are businesses that I would think as AAA um, affiliates, maybe have a little more profit, you know, a little more money coming in than say a a low A Cali League team. But the you know San Jose Giants are in the Gwinnett Stripers, um, Oklahoma City Dodgers. You you would you would think that minor league baseball is exactly an investment, (laughs) but you know there, there there looks like there could be some money there. Well, the entire Atlanta Braves farm system is in
1: here they got triple a double a high a and single a right. I've been all four wrong, levels wrong of Braves, the Atlanta yeah. Braves. So, I know that so San Jose, I thought the 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 San Francisco Giants owned the San Jose Giants. Yeah. But maybe it's one of these complicated, you know, umbrellas and Venn diagrams. You get the whiteboard out, you start d- drawing and and everything's connected. Uh so, I mean, I I guess <clears> it's nice <throat> that they were forced to have to give up their their ownership in these uh, it's a risk, you, w- w- violating the laws right. of being involved with with, uh, with agents. Um, but I, I just can't help but look at it like you're just kind of it's it's the it's the shell game. Uh,
0: yes. Okay. Speaking of the shell game here, I, I you know the advocates for minor leagues has responded to the commissioner's response to the Senate Judiciary Committee. We were surprised to read that the commissioner's July twenty dissertation on a dissertation on the importance of baseball's antitrust exemption to the minor leagues. Given his statement just nine days earlier, the exemption does not impact the minors. We look forward to a comprehensive discussion of minor league issues at the upcoming hearing uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee is planning. But we feel it is necessary to first correct the public record by identifying five fatal flaws in the commissioner's new position. And just to kind of paraphrase so we
1: can get through it. I I I loved this, that the the commissioner had their response. And as you read through it, there's so much doublespeak kind of talking out both sides of his mouth trying to like both sides, the whole issue. And so I'm glad that, the advocates for minor leaguers have some, some really sharp people. that can just yeah. parse through all that stuff and go, look,
0: this is what's really going on. Yeah. Well, and, and we won't read it, but you know, basically for paraphrasing it's uh commissioner, you're full of fertilizer. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, when, when I saw what major league, when, what they had responded with, you just looked and go like, God, that's just, you're just throwing softballs right down the middle for any organization, any any half-brained lawyer to just tear it apart. Uh, because truly what Major League Baseball is doing isn't good for minor league players, and it puts a chokehold and a monopoly on talent and how they treat the talent and how they pay the talent. So throwing a couple of coins like, oh, paying for housing, which still is kind of nebulous on some parts of the players uh, you know, in organizations, uh, to, oh, give them a couple more dollars, it's like 50 cents an hour more uh the the pay at the end of the month so i can't wait to hear this it's gonna make you know i i love major league baseball i love baseball Who we do but watching the business side of it just kind of put a stranglehold on minor league baseball it's sad we talked to so many parents that feel you know that that watch their you know their sons and it's the organization sure but like major league baseball does this this is the reason why um you know they, they get so frustrated
1: yeah. And when I'm reading through this, I I can't help but kind of wonder whether the commissioner is putting this information out. This response, it's almost like it wasn't written for the the congressmen, the senators. It's almost like it's it's more PR cover. Right. Uh, it's uh, to convince the public that, oh, this isn't the, the the issue that you think it is. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, that kind of thing, just to kind of hand wave it away. Um you, are the are the senators or the the legislators? Are they really going to take this? Uh, are they going to tear it down and look at it piece by piece, or is this just kind of all a song and dance to
0: to to make the issue go away for another twenty years? Right, really good question. I, I can't wait for that to happen. Uh, the 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 hearing, and you know, it'll be out. It'll be out in the public. It'll be out in the public eye. We'll see how it goes. Real quick, let's get through uh, the Mad Friars Q&A with Eggie Rosario. Yeah. And then we can get into the affiliate rundown. So John Aconf was in, uh, was in El Paso this past month um, and had a Q&A with Eggie Rosario. And here it goes. Over the last two years, Eggie Rosario, pronounced Eggy, has asserted himself as one of the better prospects in the Padres system. At five foot nine and built like an NFL strong safety, Rosario can play three infield positions but profiles best at second base. Over the last two years, uh, having made his stateside debut before his 17th birthday, way back in 2016, Rosario was incredibly young for for each level of his first three full seasons, yet still more has held his own, still has more than held his own, excuse me. As a 19-year-old in 2019, he posted slightly better than average numbers in high A while showing an array of interesting tools. After the lost 2020 season, Rosario opened last season in double A. His first assignment closed to standard for his age. He responded with a career-best hitting 281, 364, 55, uh, with 31 doubles and 12 homers and 30 stolen bases in 44 attempts. Now 22, the Dominican Republic native was added to the 40-man roster this offseason with an infield of the spot open in spring training. He went four for 18, punching his ticket for AAA. He got out to a rough start without passing hitting just 209 in April before beginning to turn the corner in May. He really turned it on in June, Hitting eight home runs to double his output for the first two months to produce a two eighty eight three sixty eight six twenty five slash line. He's been even better in July with a three sixty one four thirty four six fifty one slash line. Okay, Madfires, how tall are you? Hey, i I'm around five foot nine, five foot ten, and about two hundred pounds. He's still listed as one hundred and fifty pounds. Right. Over where right. You look. <laughs> I, when I read this, I watched the Triple A game that that night. And I'm like, oh, it's one fifty. No, they haven't updated that. Uh, You should be playing American football. He laughs. No, those guys are too big. Um, How big (laughs) were you? (laughs) How big were you when you signed at 16? I was around 150 or 160 pounds. So they still haven't been a signing weight in AAA. Oh, man. Um, Hey, the last year was your best season. What improved the most? Uh, It was because of my routine. At the beginning of the year, I didn't have one locked in. Once I got it locked in, I was much better. I was talking to hitting coach Raul Padron and manager Philip Wellman, and we worked out what would work best for me, which helped a lot. You've had a great June and July here, but you had a tough April and a so-so May. What changed? That was also getting into the right routine. When I have the correct routine, I get comfortable. When I get more comfortable, I am much more relaxed at the plate, see the ball better, and only hit the pinches I want to hit. The pregame routine is the most important thing for me because it gets me comfortable and relaxed. And when that happens, I play better. So I pulled it up since April 26.
1: His last eighty eight games, he's batting three twenty five with a four twelve on base percentage, and he's slugging five seventy five. Pretty dang good for a second baseman.
0: Yeah, pretty good for a twenty two year old in AAA. Yeah. Um, you've always played the three positions: second, short, and third. Which positions are you most comfortable at, and which one is the most difficult for you? I think second base is my best position, but I will always play wherever they want me. I've played there the most, so I am comfortable there. I think my hands work, um, and I think my hands work very well there. I've been playing a lot of shortstop recently and enjoy it there too. That's the position where I think I am a good player, but have more to work to do. That's short. What is the most important thing you're trying to work on every day? I, wanna, I want and will get better at how I prepare for the game mentally every day. The best players are always the same mentally for every game. That's why they're so good. I know I have the ability. I just have to make the most of it.
1: I th- and that matches up with kind of what we've heard, how he's kind of a, he, he's like a hot and cold and right. you, you'll, you'll see him like locked in for some games. And then you'll see him for a game or two where maybe he's not quite as, as engaged. And I don't know if that's quite yeah. fair to say, but yeah, it's just, you see people that come and go and then you see the guys that are steady they either the same guy every day. Um, and it's it's got to be hard to learn how to how to level out those waves of right. of energy
0: and passion and how do you bring it every day, and the mental side of the game too is like you're so close to AAA, um, you know you want to do something you know, you have to kind of remind yourself that look it's a process and you don't need to hit the ball 500 feet everywhere you go you don't need to swing at every pitch that's within your reach. Um, So I'm sure that emotional roller coaster as well, like once you start getting on a good groove, you're like, oh, my God, this is easy. I'm on my way. And then, you know, you have a bad game or two and, you know, then it starts getting in your head. You're trying too hard. And it just, you know, that's a part of the thing about baseball. And I think teams really work on because they do have the mental coaches is the mental side, the, the failure, the constant failure, the constant having to be better and being okay with not doing well. Right. So if you're
1: not, if you're going through a little bit of a slump, it's got to be hard to show up early, put in that extra work, you know, and go through the whole preparation. Uh, And then there are other days where you feel like you could just roll out of bed and, and succeed. Uh, That's, that's gotta be a tough learning process for these guys.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I found it like for for me, a couple, couple, you know, during my season in in rec league, like there were days I'd, I'd go to the plate and it just, I could not. I mean, I felt super comfortable. The ball was a beach ball. It doesn't matter how hard they were throwing. And even when I didn't get a hit, I still felt really comfortable. Then there'd be a game or two where I just show up and I same stance. I'm standing in the same, everything's the same. It just is different. And I don't get a hit. And then I'm like, well, you know, then I start getting in my head, you know, and it's just, it's it's weird how baseball has those ebb and flows when it comes to the plate and in the field as well. All right, well, let's roll it on down to our affiliate rundown. Let's start in the AZL, strike one. Tuesday, Jefferson Garcia pitched a scoreless frame in his first appearance since May of last year when he appeared in a game with the Storm. Before that, he spent most of 2018 and 19 seasons in what was then the AZL. In addition to two total games with the Tri-City Dust Devils, if Garcia can show he's healthy, he can make an appearance in Lake Elsinore before the end of the season. 19-year-old Jose Luis Reyes took over for Garcia and earned the win, with a scoreless return outing of his own. He made his professional debut in 2021, making 12 appearances in the ACL. Uh Johnson Diaz went two for three with RBA stolen base, four stolen bases. Second baseman, Graham Pauly, went one for three uh, with a double. Juan Murillo went one for three with a run and a double as well. That's got to be tough. I mean, think about somebody like Jefferson
1: Garcia. Um He was in the AZL 2018-2019, played a couple of games in Tri-City. I mean, that's a long time to bounce around and hardly get to leave the complex. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so strike two. On Thursday, Luis Gutierrez overcame four walks to keep the Pale Hose, a.k.a. White Sox, off the scoreboard over three and two-thirds innings, striking out a pair and allowing only one hit. The 19 year old Southpaw from Cabimas, Venezuela, is 2 0 with a 2.25 ERA in 28 innings over tw- 11 appearances. Striking out 20, but walking 19 in his 2022, um, originally a major focus of the 2019 international class, Gutierrez developed the yips soon after signing and has been slow to put things back together. So, the yips, is that, is that, I wonder if that's talking about just throwing strikes or if it has to do with, with other, other stuff.
0: If you're a pitcher, it's got to be throwing strikes.
1: Yeah. It's not it's like a catcher. Just... Like can't throw the ball back to the pitcher. Yeah. Okay. Um. So Gutierrez developed the yips. Um. Okay. Next. David Morgan closed it out in his professional debut, working out of a jam after a hit and a walk to ensure the shutout. Graham Pauly capped off a rally in the top of the first with a three run home run. Paulie, the 13th the Padres 13th round pick out of Duke this year is batting 333 with 2 home runs and 11 RBI in 30 at bats to begin his professional career. Rosman Verdugo, your guy, yep. uh, drove in the fourth uh, drove in the fourth and final run on a single in the top of the 3rd, one of three base hits for the
0: 17-year-old infielder. Thank you. Sorry, there's a cat just screaming at me behind my back. <laughs> Distractions. Sorry. And not that's not a small child. That's a cat wanting to be fed. Uh, but let's move on to Lake Elsinore and so we can get through this. and feed the cat. Um, once again, I want to thank Mad Friars for for all this content, dude. Like they we we couldn't do it without them. And we we thank John Conoff, Jay and and the rest of the group there. They they do a wonderful job. They don't bust on us too hard when we when we uh when I edit up and read a lot of you know a lot of their dailies, um, they do a really good job, and we are very, very grateful for them. Strike one, Tuesday right fielder Justin Farmer had three hits, including a double. the 23 year old has been steady on and steady on base machine at the top of the order, but he's been moved into the middle of the order with the return of Jackson Merrill. Farmer has 10 homers this season, but he has not reached the seed since June 25th. He is second in the Cal League with 81 walks. It's nice. Drew Pomeranz made his rehab, rehab start uh, in uh, Lake Elsinore. The lefty function as the opener and allowed a run or two uh, on two, allowed a run on two hits before departing Pomeranz. Uh, will pitch again during the Storms' homestand. Right-hander Duncan Snyder took over for Pomeranz and would have notched a quality start. If he didn't start his outing in the second inning, the 24 year old Snyder earned his fourth win pitching six innings. He allowed three runs for, on four hits with three walks and six strikeouts and 29 innings with the storm The ready from Muscain, Musca- Muscatine, Muscatine, Iowa has a 2.17 era with just five walks and 35 strikeouts. He came from the Indy Leagues for the American Association.
1: Strike two on Friday, the diamond uh, saw three different storm pitchers make their professional debuts. Righty Matt Boswell got the start and pitched two scoreless innings, allowing just one hit with four strikeouts. The 23 year old signed with the Padres as a minor league free agent. Shortly after the MLB draft, he pitched collegiately at South Alabama after playing two years of baseball at the Juco level rehabbing lefty drew Pomerantz took over in the third inning and pitched a scoreless frame, allowing just one hit while striking out one. It was the third, rehab outing for Pomeranz his second with the storm right-hander Dylan Nedved pitched two and two-thirds innings and allowed just one hit Nedved 23 was the Padres ninth round pick this year out of Iowa in his final year final year in the Big Ten the side armor went six and two with a 3.47 ERA in 19 games over six starts Justin Farmer had a pair of hits, including his 11th homer of the year. His 36 steals lead all current members of the organization. That's an interesting phrasing right there, considering yeah. that the two leaders who might not be caught all season are no longer with the organization in Max Ferguson and,
0: uh, and, uh, uh, and, uh Estu-y Ruiz. Estu Ruiz. Well, and both those guys had like double the amount of steals even now. I'm sure now it's just, a 36. I, I remember. Uh, story was, was at 60, and I want to say that Max <laughs> was at like 55, right behind him. I, I think it was, um, uh, Harold, uh, Harold Reynolds. Uh, he was, he won the base stealing competition. i like, mean, not just, he won the base stealing, whatever, for that season. And Ricky, he's like, "Hey, saw Ricky Henderson." And Henderson asked him, "Like, hey, how, how many do you have?" He's like, he had forty. He's like, "Man, I had forty in this All Star Break." <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, way off, way off topic. So, moving on. Strike three. Sunday, righty, Jared Kohler worked two scoreless frames in his professional debut. The 24 year old righty, who pitched his extra year of eligibility as a grad student at Rutgers. After four years at D two school at Seton Hall, signed as a part of the Padres' large free agent class last month. Those hitting are some good colleges. Yeah, yeah. He must Seton have Hall. been a pretty good, pretty good academic as well. Absolutely, I would be want to know what he did as a grad student. That'd yeah. Um. So uh, hitting out of the cleanup spot, Marcus Castagnon continued his tour in the second half with his team best 17th homer. The San Bernardino native reached base four more times Sunday to push his line for the month. 286 456 595 and has a 411 Woba and is now now leads as all qualified full season players in the Podridge system WOBA. Woba He just he just keeps on hitting yeah
1: He's been yeah. on fire. And then you go up to Lake Elsinore. One thing that doesn't show up in a lot of these write-ups is the defensive stuff. But if you follow the Storm, uh, their social media feed, it seems like every day there's a highlight of Marcos Castagnon, yeah. hot shot to the corner, makes a great play, comes up, throws right on the money. <clears> and the guy's a ball player.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, moving on to Fort Wayne. Strike one on Tuesday, Joshua Mears was the 10 Caps offense on Tuesday night. He doubled and hit his 12th Midwest League homer of the year. As we note the good with the mirrors, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the concern. Mirrors struck out just once Tuesday. In seven August games, Mirrors is hitting an excellent 333, 360, 667 with two homers, five RBI and a Woo. walk. Yet with 10 strikeouts and 25 plate appearances, his strikeout rate is hovering at 40%. Mirrors will need to continue to whittle down the strikeouts to get to his power more frequently in game action. And I, I looked it up, I tw- did this out a couple of days ago his his batting average on ball play is i if it's 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 like in the high 400s it's way way up there yeah. so that tells me that i'm sure he's scorching the ball somebody like that that hits the ball hard minor league infants uh defenses especially at single a they just aren't what you see at the higher levels so right if you're gonna hit the ball hard right at somebody there's a decent chance they
0: might boot it I also like the fact that he's starting to hit, you know, the, sh- the strikeouts oh, sure. are there and the strikeouts are always going to be there. Hopefully not at a 40% because he won't move up, but certainly if he can, you know, bring those down a little bit, uh, the power is there, you know, hitting for a little bit of average, a little bit of more gap power there um, is really encouraging after struggling so much in the beginning of the season, having to go back to the complex and then come back. And then really right when he got back to the, to uh, Fort Wayne, he was striking out a lot. Uh and not right. getting any hits. Now he's mixing in some power and some hits and two, some multi-hit games. Oh yeah. He's carrying their
1: offense right now. It's just it's it's the stuff that yeah, it's so easy to focus on the good. So I appreciate yeah. the Mad Friars is still trying to shine the light on that. It's something that's gonna take work in the offseason. Yeah. It's it's a work in progress. Uh right hander Efren Contreras. This is this is great news. We saw Efren Contreras leave the mound, uh, what was it, a couple weeks ago. Uh, It looked like some sort of elbow concern, and you immediately started thinking the worst. But right-hander Efren Contreras started for Fort Wayne and pitched three scoreless innings, walking one and striking out four. Um, He's working on getting stretched back out as a starter. After working two innings his last time out, Contreras got back to three innings. He is not allowed a run
0: over his last five innings. Nice. Um, Moving on to strike two, Friday Jackson Wolf. Oh, no. yes. Uh, struck out 10 batters across six innings. Kid's just a strikeout machine. I he mean, there, is. There's, I'm sure there's tons of, of, of development that needs to go on. But just having to mow these guys down. Like this is the, what, third or fourth game that he has struck out at least 10 batters. I I'll will- have to pull that up. We'll have to pull it out. But Wolf held the captains to one run on four hits and one walk. The only mistake that cost him was a solo home run to the reigning Midwest League player of the month, left fielder, Jonathan Rodriguez. That led off the bottom of the seventh inning. Wolf wound up one shy of his career high for strikeouts. He has 11 strikeouts. that he That's his career high.
1: Okay. Yeah. He had 11 strikeouts on May 29th, um, 10 strikeouts in this appearance that you're talking about before that he had four, but then he had nine strikeouts on uh, July 31st. Uh, But what, what gets me is the length of his appearances. He's been going, he went four and two thirds innings on June, June 4th. But other than that, it's been five plus innings since the end of April. And he's just been consistently going deep into games and kicking and butt at, at his level. So good for him. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, on strike three on Sunday, Garrett Hawkins made his high A debut and was treated rudely by the home team. With two outs, the captains had three straight singles that scored two. And that was there was a two out walk. And after yeah. that two out walk was when the floodgates kind of opened up uh, later in the game, he gave up back to back homers. His fastball was lower than what he was showing in Lake Elsinore. Uh, quote, clearly, it's a different surrounding. He was on a little more rest than he normally is. He flew across the country. And I'm sure Garrett would not agree with any of that stuff being the issue, said acting manager Mike Daly. Uh, but what, but I think when you get into a new situation, there's just different things. I'm confident that Garrett will be ready to go next week, and that's got to be true. You know, you're, yeah. you're changing you're move, you're heading across the country, getting used to a new bed, and whatever uh, it's
0: got to be a, a shake up, yeah. And you want to impress, you want to do good, so a little hyped. You know, even when you're in the minor leagues, that next start in a higher level, you're hyped up. There's emotions, there's, there's adrenaline going, you want to do well. It can get away from me a little bit, yeah. Maybe he's trying a little too hard. Um,
1: Adam Kerner catcher hit a two run shot. Olivier Basave had two homers, a three run (laughs) shot. And later in the eighth hit another long ball. He finished the night three for four with five RBI and he hit a home run in the prior game as well. So Olivier, he's one of these guys that doesn't show up in these box scores a whole lot, but he just kind of does everything. He plays a lot of first base. He can play second, third. Um, I think he played some shortstop when he first made it into the organization, his first year in, uh, Tri-City. Uh but I I like when the guy that that doesn't get a whole lot of attention shows up and has a couple of good games.
0: Yeah, absolutely
1: uh joshua Mears went two for three with an opposite field dong the powerful outfielder finished the week seven for 16 with three doubles and three home runs showing an ability to hit the ball the other way with more consistency in addition to the loud contact Mears also drew an impressive walk laying off several pitches just out of the zone he's now pushed his ops for the month to 1.169 so now this has me thinking back to the, the brief looks I saw of him in Lake Elsinore. And I do remember him pulling the ball consistently. Yeah. So maybe that's something that they were trying to work with when he was back in the complex was trying to work on the approach of going the other way. Yep. Um, you know, cause I, cause they say sit fastball and adjust. So if you're trying to sit on the fastball to go the other way and a breaking ball comes in, you can still, you still have the time to 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 get on it and keep yeah. it fair. Where if you're trying yeah. to pull the fastball, and a slider comes, it's either going to make you look silly or you're going to pull it 600 feet, but into Lake Elsinore, right. <laughs> which is in foul territory.
0: Right. Well, uh, and also the, um you know, trying to pull that outside pitch, you're either going to swing over, are you going to pop it up, are you going to hit it to the shortstop, like letting that ball travel deep into the hitting zone you know, just let the pitcher provide the power. and you have the bat speed to just make contact and it goes the other way and it goes for power
1: for sure. All right. So San Antonio strike one Uh, Tuesday. It looks like the Padres are in the process of converting Henry Henry or H squared into a starting pitcher. Henry Henry completed five innings for the first time this year. The man with the 80 grade name allowed a pair of earned runs on three hits walking two and striking out five. Henry made his third consecutive start after starting the season in the bullpen. The 23-year-old, he's only 23. He feels like yeah. he's been around a long time. Yeah. He's made three consecutive starts for the first time since 2018 when he was a member of the Tri-City Dust Devils. Juan Fernandez started at third base and had a pair of singles to go with an RBI. Fernandez has hit safely in all seven games that he has played in August. He has just one extra base hit during the stretch, but he has driven in six runs. So I asked this question to John Coniff about, I'm, I'm curious about Juan Fernandez's usage. Um, he's been playing a lot of third base, first base. He's even made a couple appearances at second base not catching nearly as, as often as the other positions where before this year, he was a catcher exclusively. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering what, what the whole story behind that is. Now, one nice thing that the Padres organization is—they've ha- got a ton of catchers, and there's a lot of really good ones. A lot of really, yeah. some guys are, are defensive specialists, like Chandler Siegel. You've got other guys like Brandon Valenzuela, who kind of bring a little bit of both sides of it. Yeah. Um, but I always thought of Juan Fernandez as more of a defensive specialist catcher, but apparently that's not how the org sees him.
0: It's it, interesting. They could be, you know, they get him out in the field just to get him in the lineup. You know, maybe they want that many uh, at bats for him, and you know, there's movement in the system, so you know, there's maybe a hole there. And hey, let's try it at third base. He has a couple of good games. He doesn't look like you know, like he doesn't belong there. And hey, he gets his bat in the lineup, and he learns becomes a little more valuable. Hey, an athlete's an athlete, you know. And yeah, he ain't gonna play the outfield, but certainly, you know, something in the infield uh, could uh, could do well for him. So moving on to strike two, Thursday was the third consecutive quality start for Brandon Komar who gave the mission six innings at three-run ball. Kamar, 23, was a 13th-round pick in 2019 and is 2-3 and three with a 5.59 ARA in 10 appearances. That's eight starts in his return to San Antonio in 2022 after beginning the season in Fort Wayne. So when they brought him up, I thought it was his first shot at, at double A. That sounded like he'd, he'd been there before.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So strike three on Sunday, Henry Henry got roughed up for four runs, then four relievers combined to allow just one run over six and a third innings. Felix Menjares held the Riders to a run over two and a third innings before Grant Gavin, Edwin Bencomo, and Lake Bakker combined for four scoreless frames. Bencomo has given up just one hit across his first four and a third innings since joining San Antonio. Brandon Dixon, who returned from the 60-day IL Saturday, has picked up right where he left off before the injury in April. The Murrieta Valley High School product had a double and Homer in his second straight day, uh, pushing his OPS for the year to 1.048. Connor Ooh. Kaiser also connected on his seventh homer since joining the missions in May. I really think
0: it's interesting that they're making Henry Henry a starter. That um, is that he has the stuff, you know, the, he had the fastball that's in, in, you know, I would think pitching more longer in the games. He can hit the high nineties and consistent with the mid to, to higher nineties with the breaking ball and a changeup, just allow, allow him to learn that. So what we're going to see is we're going to see those games where, you know, and I watched that game. He he'd given up, you know, just these funky little hits that get through the infield. That, oh, that's frustrating. You know, that's like it prolongs the inning. Um, the last inning that he pitched in that game, you know, it was one of those, a couple of, just through the infield, maybe a higher level guy gets that ball and the inning's over. A lot of the stuff happened in the, in the two with two outs and it's like, damn it, damn it. Um, but I wonder if difference.
1: it was like a, if it was a consistency thing or a conditioning right. thing about him being able to get deep into games before this, because I always thought it, he, he was always a string bean. He's so right. tall and long arms and just slender built, super slender. Uh, but now that he's 23, maybe he started to put on a little bit of the muscle so that he can maintain the the delivery, the consistency yeah.
0: deeper into games. Absolutely. So moving on and finishing up with El Paso. Strike one Tuesday, the Chihuahua sucked four homers on the night, but it wasn't enough to beat the Space Cowboys. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's right. Steve Miller. Good. In many, <laughs> years, <laughs> in many years, Taylor Callway's 2022 performance would have led to a big league opportunity. He may not have a place to play in San Diego currently, but Callway is epitomizing the adage of focus on what you can control. The 27-year-old outfielder hit for the cycle. Tuesday evening, he started the evening with an RBA single, hit his solo homer in the third, doubled in a run in the fourth, and tripled in the seventh inning to complete the feat. Callaway's big night raises batting average to .324, just two points off the lead league. Brett Sullivan clubbed two homers and drew a walk in the loss. Luis Camposano started as a designated hitter and had two hits, including his 11th homer of the season. After slugging just .348 in July, Camposano has powered up significantly so far in August. The blast was his third of the month in just six games. The multi-hit effort extended Capesano's hitting streak to five games. Nice to see Capesano heating hitting up a little bit. Absolutely. And I'm telling you, Callaway is going to get an opportunity, uh, be it in a bench role for the Padres next year. I'm not sure if he's a free agent this year, but they, you know you have to reward these guys eventually. And the Padres roster is a tough one to crack. You know, you right. Matthew Batten just, just rotting on the goddamn bench up there.
1: Hey, at least you know, he's cashing a major league check,
0: you know, and I'm sure yeah, I'm not, that's not a knock on him hanging out, you know, on the major league roster, but you know, he's not getting a chance to perform.
1: Well, we, so we saw Jose Zocar come up early in the year. We've, we've seen Matthew Batten now. And yeah, so I feel like Matt Batten, we were campaigning for him the whole first half. Yeah. And so now it, it really would be nice to see Taylor Colway. I thought when Brandon Drury came on board and especially, uh thinking that Tatis was around the corner. Yeah. Now you've got an extra infielder. I kind of figured when Tatis came up, then then that would mean that Matthew Batten would get pushed off the roster. But I guess he's the beneficiary of that. Uh, but speaking of cycles, tell, tell us about the crazy home run cycle that you pointed out to me earlier this week. Okay. I, I can't remember
0: who it was. You, you just threw me under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> That's not on the agenda. No, so- it's not. So I'm not sure what affiliate this this kid uh, was for, but he hit a solo shot, a two run shot, a grand slam, and that and not not in succession. I don't think it was a first at bat, second at bat, third at bat. I don't think he hit him in a perfect cycle, but that's incredible, and it's only happened twice in professional baseball. Oh, so it had happened once before. Yeah. I thought it was the first time ever happening, but I saw I think I saw maybe a Sam Dykstra. From uh, MLB pipeline uh, tweeted out that it was a second time, but that's what
1: are the the chances of just coming up to bat four times times. in a game with one runner, two runner, three runners, the opportunity to do that, let alone being able to actually do it. I mean, how many, how how many times has somebody hit a four home runs in a game?
0: I just, the odds of this have to be (laughs) astronomical. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of baseball. And you're going to get a little bit of that with uh, Jay Jack, because he talks about how, you know, as a sport, we love our statistics. And it's such a statistical game. Um, Could you imagine? I mean, why would you pitch to him the second time? The third? Okay, fine. He hits a home run. Fine. Second time up. Okay, he hits a home run. Fine. Just walk the guy. Right? (laughs) You know, the but, guy's you know.
1: on fire. If it was NBA jam, his head would be a like a candlestick.
0: Right, right. Um, that was incredible. And it took the internet by storm and it made national news and went viral. And you know, I, I couldn't tell you the guy's name or what affiliate it was. Um, but that's something that doesn't matter, whatever happens in that guy's career. He has that. Oh, he'll be telling his grandkids
1: about that. Yeah. They'll they'll never yeah. they'll never live that down. All right, so strike two on Friday, Luis Camposano started behind the dish and reached base three times with a walk and a pair of singles. The 23-year-old has hit safely in six straight games and is hitting .393 in eight August games. Left-hander Tom Cosgrove, friend of the podcast, pitched a scoreless inning and walked one and struck out three batters. The 26-year-old lefty has had some trouble with the homer since joining the Pacific Coast League, but outside of that, he's been quite good. He struck out 25 batters in, in 16 and a third innings, opposing hitters are hitting just 197 against Cosgrove, but seven of the 12 hits he's allowed have left the yard. And that has led to a 4.41 ERA. He'll be eligible for the rule five draft again, this winter, if he's not added to the 40 man roster. And that's one of those things that it's got to be tough for an organization to look at a pitcher and parse out the with this it's pretty easy to see 12 hits seven of them are home runs and you could probably look at the tape and see okay were these like legit you just hung a a cookie right down the middle and the guy hit it 500 feet or were they wall scrapers where if this happened at petco it's a can of corn
0: yeah or or even it's in the pacific coast league you know you make solid contact and put it in the air it's gonna fly right and the outfields the outfields are huge the outfielders have to
1: play deep it makes everything else play bigger
0: yeah absolutely um we we uh it's funny it wouldn't be another one of those guys like a steve wilson that you want to see get a shot i I think that you know they probably won't add him to the 40 man he may get picked up in the rule five um i'm throwing this deep deep into the podcast but um Jay Jaffe tells us that perhaps that may be where the winning meetings may be here in San Diego this year. Ooh. So um, that will be interesting. The Rule Five is on Sunday uh, at the at the winter meetings. So that's always kind of fun. I, I did that last time we were here in San Diego. Did, you,
1: were you were you able to sit in on the on the Rule yeah. Five draft?
0: Oh yeah, they they just they call it out. It's like okay, round you know round one, uh, the Cardinals pick so and so. Round two, you know, this team didn't pick anyone. It Round goes three, real quick. Yeah, it goes really quick. Because I've not... seen
1: where the guys are like live tweeting it.
0: Yeah. And it's <laughs> ding, 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 ding. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah. Strike three, Saturday. Aggie Rosario hit his 19th homer of the year and swiped his 19th bag. 19 <laughs> is a great number <laughs> for <laughs> the Padres. 19. Wow, that's an old reference lost on maybe some younger viewers or listeners. Went right over my head. That was the song in the in the eighties. Okay. The average the average veteran in World War II was twenty-six. In Vietnam, it was nineteen. N-n-n-n-19. Um, but anyway, moving on, putting himself in a position to become the PCL's first 2020 player since Kyle Tucker went 30-30 in 2019. Defensively, the 22-year-old has played nearly equal amounts at short, second, and third base. After striking out in over thirty percent of his plate appearances and struggling badly in April. Rosario sports an OPS well north of one and has since June, uh, since June 1st, El Paso got six strong innings from the recently acquired Jay groom, but Sugarland put up four runs in the seventh and tacked on two more in the ninth to deal the home team, a loss groom pitched well in his systems debut last Saturday and was better tonight as he threw six innings in 79 pitches, 50 of them for strikes. He doesn't have a strong swing and miss stuff. He was projected to have a high-profile draft pick. He was projected to have as a high-profile draft pick, but he did a quality job of locating his four-seam fastball to go along with the quality slider. If he can get his curveball back to where it was before his Tommy John, the six-foot-six, two-sixty-five-pound lefty could be someone to watch.
1: Yeah, see, he was drafted in two thousand sixteen by the by the Red Sox, um, and so the Padres should still have a couple of years with him. Um, came over in the Eric Hosmer deal. Yeah. It's he's just an interesting guy to, to, you never know. He's picking up a lottery pick and usually the, the kind of lottery scratch it guys are, are low minor league yeah. players. So this is somebody who has top prospect pedigree. He's got the Tommy John, uh, but not, who knows what they might be able to turn him into in a, in a year or two. Right. Absolutely. And you, we need depth in triple a. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, you need pitching depth at the big league yeah. level as soon as next year too. All right. Well, the Padres game's still going on. I want to see, I want to see what's going on here. I want to see the Padres come back it, they're down three, nothing last time I checked, but I have a feeling once I flip the game on, I'll be able to bring them some good luck. What do you think?
0: I Well, let's hope because I usually won't watch and then I'll do good. So maybe if I don't watch and you watch, they'll do good. But a friend of the podcast, Steve Wilson is in, he's got two outs, uh, Uh, he had some kid hit a double he's going to get out of it striking out Aguilar I bet Um, good to to see him come back uh, and continue to do well
1: yeah good for him friend of the podcast all right well until next week you can find me on Twitter my handle is at Zippy underscore TMS
0: that innocent SD Donovan on Twitter now
1: now. let's go
0: Padres go Padres